Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. What a beautiful day. It might finally be summer, even though the first day of spring only happened less than a week ago. No matter what, I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope you are enjoying your day that you're spending with us. It is Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Your one-stop shop for all things sports around the Treasure State each and every weekday right here on ESPN Missoula from 4 to 6 p.m. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana TV. We're also on SWX Montana TV. Shout out to everybody watching in on the TV around the great state of Montana. Sean's in with me as he does each and every Wednesday. Did a little pinch hit last week, so we've been spending a lot of time together here. So we have a lot to talk about. The NFL Draft tomorrow. We will have full coverage of the NFL Draft tomorrow night for you. The broadcast on ESPN actually starts at 5. We're not going to preempt ourselves, so we'll jump right into coverage right as the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock at 6, right after we get done with Nuanas. Now, we're going to have a whole bunch of NFL Draft talk the next two days. Sean and I are going to start with a sort of pseudo-mock draft between the two of us, which should be fun. Uh, we're also going to give you continuous updates on the Grizz soccer match from um, North Carolina. They're playing South Carolina, but they're in North Carolina. So University of Montana in the NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament for the fifth time in school history, the second time in three seasons under current head coach Chris Chitovitsky. So we'll give you updates throughout the show on that. The match just got underway about, oh, about 60 seconds ago. We're also going to talk some baseball Contenders and pretenders, we're only, oh, I don't know, 25, 30 games into the season. We still have quite a bit left to go, but there's been some surprising storylines both sides. Teams that are doing a lot better than maybe people predicted 
and teams that are doing maybe uh, not so well compared to what their expectations were. So we'll get to some of that. It's also a Wednesday, so that means it's a Wing It Wednesday. So we have a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for you. That's coming up in about 45 minutes. And then top of the hour, like we do every Wednesday, it's the ESPN Roundtable. We will uh, be happy to welcome in Kent Haslam, University of Montana Athletic Director, uh, he'll join us at 5 o'clock. We're going to talk everything from Lady Grizz coaching search to Grizz football in the spring to what's it like having pretty much every sport at Montana going simultaneously for pretty much the first, last, and only time ever. And uh, also Kent's position on the FCS playoff selection committee. What was his perspective on the way that the bracket played out? And, and uh, what's his perspective now that no Big Sky teams are left in the bracket? I, I'm sure he might have to travel to a couple of playoff games, so we'll get his take on all that. And then maybe we'll finish up the rest of our mock draft, depending on how long it takes. Or maybe some more FCS uh, spring football talk, particularly when it comes to the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. You want to watch or listen to the show anywhere uh, in the world, your tablet, your mobile device, your computer... Go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live to find the stream. And if you want to give us a call or shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. And you're going to want to remember that for the wings. So we'll get into it because I'm, I'm excited, actually, for this Grizz soccer game. You've been following this Grizz soccer team pretty good, right? I mean, it's kind of the best college sport we have going right now as far as Montana teams. Dude, and Claire Howard, the keeper, Big yeah. Sky goalkeeper of the year, just had a sick diving stop uh, with her left hand to save a goal as South Carolina was threatening. So, yeah, I mean, there, it's a, soccer's a, uh, it's an interesting sport, but it's a fun sport to watch in these like stressful kind of moments, you know, and sure. uh, yeah, Montana's really good, and so this would be awesome if they could pull off an upset, something that they haven't done in a little while. But this team is certainly capable; like they are really, really good. It's a cool story too because they have no seniors coming out of the 2019 year. They lost in heartbreaking fashion in overtime in the Big Sky Tournament uh, to Northern Colorado. Then they have COVID impact the 2020 year. Then they all come back. And now they have, I think, five seniors on their team, some of whom might come back again uh, when the season rolls around. But the, the next season, that is. But either way, they made it to the Big Sky Tournament. They won the Northwest Division of the Big Sky. They get Northern Colorado in the semis again. They go to overtime again, but this time they win. Then they punch their ticket to the uh, NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament because of a forfeit because of COVID. So that was a bummer, but they're still on their way. So this is the fifth overall appearance for Montana in the history of the program. The th- second in three years under Chris Chitovitsky, and uh, they're gunning like Randy mentioned. They have won in this tournament before, just one time, 2000. They beat Washington State one to nothing, but uh, that is the way that you can pull an upset in soccer. If you can just keep the other team off the board, and when you have one of the best goalkeepers in the country, you have a shot like Montana does with Claire Howard. So we'll keep you up to date as this goes. But it's very cool for the University of Montana, first and foremost, because I mean it's it's just good for the state as a whole to have a Big Sky Conference championship caliber program. But as Chris Chitovitsky told me on this show, the way soccer is tiered in men's soccer, there's so many different levels of soccer that are far superior to the collegiate American level of soccer. That's not the case in women's soccer. It's basically the United or basically the World Cup, the European League, maybe the professional league, and then this is like the third or fourth best showcase of talent. Uh, in the uh, in the in the world in terms of women's soccer, what do you got? What happened? Dude, South Carolina has been threatening. Howard made a diving stop with her left. Now she made a diving stop with her right, but it deflected out to the Gamecocks, who then blasted it off the top crossbar. So they uh, were only a few minutes into this, and uh, 
So one nothing South Carolina. No, they didn't score. Well, they didn't it, score. It went they're, off just, the, they're just going at them. Yeah, it's just been about you know six shot attempts and uh, two amazing saves. Just a bit about South Carolina, if you're wondering. South Carolina is uh, a power, a national power, to be sure. This is their 14th overall NCAA tournament, their eighth consecutive NCAA tournament. Over the last seven years, South Carolina has been uh, to the Elite Eight four of the last seven years, and they've been to the Final Four once in 2017. So um, definitely a stiff challenge for Montana. I think this team was the South Carolina team was ranked 15th or 16th in the country coming into this. But the, the Grizz are in the top 60, so they're they're there. I mean, they are one. I think they're ranked seventh or eighth in the region, so they are one of the better teams in the West. So we'll keep you up to date on what's going on there. Anything else fun going on at SWX right now, Sean? Where we just have a little breather for a second. Right. You know, we, we brought you all the Sunday Holland Classic over the weekend, and uh, now we're kind of getting ready for some Legion baseball, for some hopefully some Pioneer League baseball as well. So we're kind of getting ready for that. Is you know, unfortunately, we can't do any of like the the spring sport state stuff um, for high schools, right? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, kind of just uh, pick up a little breather here for a second and then, you know, kind of a, a mad dash here with coverage of high school sports until they end, you know, a month from now, basically, uh, most of the day. And then uh, and then we get ready for summer. On that note, most of the postseason stuff, whether it's the Big Sky Conference Track and Field Championships or all the state tournaments, it's the second and third weeks of May. So I'm taking off the first week of May. I told you before, but if you haven't been listening in, no Nuanas now next week. All, all next week we will be off from Nuanas now. And we'll be back in the saddle the second week of May to give you primers for all those postseason uh, events and then uh, recaps in the week after that. So uh, that'll be fun. Also, another tease for you. We got a good golf giveaway coming up as well. We always give you some sweet free golf as part of our Father's Day giveaway. So we'll get that going when I get back as well. Be about a month-long promotion leading up to Father's Day. If you need to know, Father's Day is on June 20th. So uh, in the weeks and maybe month leading up to Father's Day, uh, we'll have a great golf giveaway for you as well. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Nuanez now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Statewide SWX Montana Television, Sean Rainey, joining me in studio. All right, let's do it. Let's mock it up. I have not actually been doing the the uh, the mock draft, so to speak, um, but this will be fun. So basically, the way we're going to be doing this is who we would pick if we were the GMs of these specific teams, not how we predict this will go, uh, but just kind of what we think are the best prospects, but also best fits, best needs for the team. So we'll go back and forth. Uh, first and foremost, can we just come to a consensus rather than wasting a pick on it that the Jacksonville Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, for sure. Okay, we so, can, I mean, so we could skip the first two. Lawrence, okay, Lawrence is one. Zach Wilson's two. Yep. Okay, so then who are we, how are we going to do this as far what do you, what do you want to do? Well, just, I went, so San Fran, I would not take Mac Jones. Okay, but so, I put so, Mac okay Jones, so we're going to go back and forth who we would take. Okay, that's what I like. Okay. Yeah, I took I put Mac Jones in here as far as my uh, a prediction. I, I just think that San Fran is going to go with Mac Jones. I wouldn't. Personally, I don't even really I don't like the move that San Francisco did in trading up. You don't. Not if they're going to take Justin Fields, in my opinion, because because they you think they could have fallen too. Yeah, them. you could have gotten Matt, like so you gave up so much draft capital to go up and get a guy that was not projected to even necessarily be a first round pick a couple months ago. That's like, true. So I don't know. I don't really like the move from San Francisco. If you get your quarterback and you get your guy. Um, and he ends up being good, then it's all worth it. But I, I think it was a little too steep to go up that and uh, and get Mac Jones. Because I mean, let me ask you one question: Would you rather have Mac Jones, okay, or would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo with Kyle Pitts? 
paired with Kittle and that offense. Well, I think that um, that Garoppolo is better than people think he is. I think he's f- okay. I See, think I don't even think he's that great. But I don't, Mac I Jones, don't think I don't, he's that bad. Is Mac Jones isn't that significant of an upgrade over him? I don't even know if it is an upgrade at all. That's what I'm saying. But even if even if Mac Jones is like a slight upgrade, I rather have Garoppolo with Pitts. Imagine pairing Pitts with Kittle. I mean, that it, would, it would be Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, but better. Because I don't know if either one of those guys are better than Gronkowski in his prime, but they're both way better than Aaron Hernandez. So, I mean, that would be a, an unbelievable tight end combination. I think Kittle might be as good because he's such yeah. a good blocker. I mean, he is. He, and he's he faster. Really he is. A, a completely different style tight ends, too, right? I mean, Gronk is. I mean, Gronk, Gronk kind of has no mold because no one's really like Gronk. But uh, Kittle kind of has no real comparison either, though. Kittle, Kittle is, is kind of a, a prototype of his own in, in his own right, right? Because he's not actually that big. He's just so tough and strong. Yeah. Uh, it, no, it is. I mean, it is a good comp. And, like, Aaron Hernandez was kind of the more of the speed pass catcher guy, which is what Kyle Pitts is. So, um, I don't know. I just feel like that would be interesting. But, obviously, they're going to take quarterback. Um, but I have them taking Mac Jones. Who do you have them taking? So, if I was them, I would I would not take Mac Jones. I think that you could, it's better to go with either of the other two guys, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I think having a mobile guy in that offense, especially with all the misdirection that they use, the fact that they use tight ends and fullbacks and H-backs and all that stuff, if you could add a little bit of a zone read element to it or any sort of mobility on the perimeter. They run so many stretch plays. Even just the efficiency of that with the quarterback rolling out of the pocket, I think would be so dangerous. To me, here, here's what I here's what my thought is though, is that this is Kyle Shanahan's pick. Like he is he is a quarterback guy. He has certainly gotten to know and, and researched the guys that he thinks are going to be available for this pick. And so, to me, I think that none of these guys are that surefire generational going to change your franchise talent. I think they're all good and could be very very good, but none of them are Trevor Lawrence, right? And so I think that you want to go with the guy that you think fits you the best, the guy that fits your chemistry the best, your your culture the best, all, all that sort of stuff. And so I think that he's just going to pick the guy that he thinks he can mold the best. And so I, I, I believe in Kyle Shanahan so much, I have a hard time thinking that no matter who he picks, that it's going to be bad for them. Agreed. But then this is the argument I don't understand because everyone's like, oh, well, you know, We've already seen that Mac Jones is like a good point guard and can sure. distribute and, you know, his floor is really high. Well, if Shanahan is this, you know, quarterback guru and could get the most out of it, then wouldn't you pick the high ceiling guy in that instance? Because you have right. the coach that could get the most out of that high ceiling of a quarterback. Sure. So it might be like, so Trey Lance might be the, the best pick in that scenario because I think he might have the highest ceiling out of all these guys, the potential. For sure. Well, there's also the argument that, it, that there's always been this narrative that the guys that come from a smaller level are not, they don't face great competition, right? But let's think about the guys, that, the truly the, the, the 1AA slash FCS quarterbacks over the last 20 or so years that came from, you know, a 1AA FCS or Division two levels. Uh, you got Steve McNair was great. Runner-up for a uh, MVP award, a Pro Bowler at Alcorn State. You got Carson Wentz. I know he's had some injury history, but when he was healthy and at his best, he was one of the best in the league. He might turn into a narrative that is a quote-unquote flop, but he still was. I mean, that was not an illegitimate yeah, no. pick. It was a great pick. Garoppolo too. I mean, Garoppolo has a, a history of injuries, but he's still 
at the very least, a very good NFL quarterback. I mean, he got you to the to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I know it wasn't all him leading you there, but not necessarily a flop. I, you can't consider him a flop at all. Joe Flacco. I mean, Romo. Romo. Like, yeah. the, you know, the guy, pretty much every guy that's come from this level, they know how to scout you. Almost every guy is actually mm-hmm. successful. It's actually the least bust potential. It's the guys like Mac Jones that are surrounded by straight NFL athletes. You could say, okay, Mac Jones playing the SEC, higher level of competition. Well, his skill guys also had a way higher level of athletic advantage than the guys he was playing against, right? And, you know, yeah, I mean, he was surrounded by the, like, the ultimate position, you know. So, do, who do you? So, you so I'm, taken, I'm taking Justin Fields because okay. I have liked Justin Fields this whole time. I thought that Justin Fields, he had, he took a hit in his draft stock, basically because he played so much football. They had so much film on him. There was a, a lot to scrutinize, and I think that to, in this day and age, that's actually to your advantage sometimes having just a little bit of film like Trey Lance and. Uh, Zach Wilson can actually be to your advantage. Okay, so we got we got our two guys for the Niners. So now the fourth pick drops to the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle Pitts. I think so, too. I think Pitts is an interesting one, too, because I think that on one hand, draft pundits could scrutinize Pitts because he's listed as a quote-unquote tight end. But to me, he's he is this new hybrid, or maybe not even hybrid, in a modern offense, he's going to play as much, if not more, in the slot than he is going to play as an inline guy, right? I mean, who's the best comp? I know who I think is the best comp for him currently in the league, but who do you think is the best comp for Kyle Pitts? Um, I don't know if there is one. Darren Waller? Yeah, maybe. I think Pitts is a more, he has a higher ceiling than that, but Waller is kind of like, they move him around, they play him a lot in the slot. He doesn't have to do a lot of the tight end stuff. They just throw him the ball. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Pitts, though, the argument is like he is just a, you know, a generational guy. The potential to be a generational guy for sure. And so that's why I, I have Atlanta taking him. I if I was Atlanta, I'd probably take Justin Fields instead. Because okay. um, I just think unless you have a quarterback, there's no point to anything else. And I think Matt Ryan's days are kind of dwindling here. And so I, I would kind of transition, but I think they're going to go Kyle Pitts. They got a brand new head coach. He's an offensive guy. I think if you add the offensive tool that is Kyle Pitts with that team, I mean, and and let it ride. But I could also see like they take Kyle Pitts, they go and they're not doing well. They trade Julio later on, and you kind of butt, and you break it all up. Nuana is now one hundred two nine ESPN Missoula. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana TV, mock drafting it with me here on ESPN Radio. And you mentioned Julio Jones. The Falcons did announce today that they're open for quote-unquote talks about Julio. So I don't know I don't know what he would take at this point. I, I do think that if you are going to ever trade him, it's got to be right now because he's there, there will be a point. He's still dominant, but there will be a point where he regresses a little bit. And so you wonder how that happens. So maybe they do need another feature weapon. We'll see. But I agree. I think, I think Pitts is going to be the guest. So now it gets interesting because now the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock at number five. I think this is a no-brainer. I think you take Pinelli Sewell, the kid out of Oregon, because I think he's one of the best offensive linemen to come out in a minute. And I think that the most defined weakness maybe in the NFL is the, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. I haven't taken Jamar Chase because... Jamar Chase is one of the most would interesting take guys in this draft. I would take Sewell, but I think they're going to take Chase. And because they're Cleveland or they're Cincinnati, and I think they're going to just not that I mean, Chase would be great in that offense. Like, if you add Chase with Boyd and T. Higgins, like, that might be the best wide receiving core in the NFL. But 
I'm going to think that they're going to be just too enticed with getting, you know, the Burrow Chase connection again. And so I'm going to have them taking Jamar Chase and I have Miami taking Sewell next. Miami could definitely use Sewell for sure. So, so tell me this, I, I, to, just to go outside the mock draft just for a second. Because of the NFL's now sort of acceptance of college offensive principles, most teams in the NFL, they're not running the air raid, but they're running variations of the spread. They have spread elements in their offenses. A lot of the option routes for the receivers, especially the slot guys, are very uh, translatable, very applicable when they get to the NFL. They're not, there's not a huge learning curve. In fact, there's almost no learning curve, especially for receivers. Like guys in, that are playing in the SEC, et cetera, they are running routes and, and performing like pretty much in terms of the fundamentals of it and the scheme of it, exactly like they are in the NFL. So these guys are so NFL ready. Same thing with the quarterbacks. So because of that, now, offensive skill guys, not just quarterbacks, but a variety of particularly receivers have just gone to the forefront. I mean, how many? there was probably, what, six or seven receivers drafted in the top 40 or 50 guys last year, including four or five in the first round. What I'm getting at is it's, it's, you can get day one starters right away, but because of that, then now you're going to see five to six quarterbacks, five to six to seven receivers, a couple running backs, a couple tight ends, and all of a sudden now two-thirds of the first round is taken up with offensive skill guys or offensive linemen. And so then all of a sudden the edge guys or even some of this, the guys are the best player at their position that isn't one of the glamour positions, they're going to fall quite a bit. And I think that is actually going to help a lot of the teams that are really good in the league. Because if you are a solid team like the Baltimore Ravens and all of a sudden like some of the best defensive guys or some of the best you know interior defensive linemen or whatever are falling to you, Man, now all of a sudden you have a chance to make yourself rich. I mean, there's a chance that the Ravens might have one of the best edge rushers in the draft fall all the way to them just because the edge guys might not start going because guys like Jamar Chase are going to be taking up those normally spots that would be taken by DNs, right? No, for sure. And also, this is just a weird draft because there's just not the kind of like the blue chip defenders on the line that we normally always see. There's normally always like a can't miss rush edge rusher. There's really none of these edge rushers are, you know, anything that you would call, like, surefire dudes. Like, they all have, like, major question marks. You don't have even the defensive tackles that are, like, those dominant, like, Vita Vea guys or, the, sure. you know, the the kid last year that went to uh, the Panthers. Like, they don't even have those. So, it is a very offensive-heavy draft. And, yeah, there there's probably going to be... Uh, you know, some really good players that are going to drop down. Mostly, I think, though, just because of the the quarterback needs. And with five quarterbacks probably going in the top 10 or, you know, around that, you're going to get some really, really good. Like, I don't think the first defender is going to come off the board till late in the top 10. And so I think those teams that are going to get Sertan and Horn and even Micah Parsons are going to be pretty happy with their selection. So you got the Bengals taking uh, Chase, and then you got... The Dolphins taking Sewell. I actually think that would yep. be a good pick for the Dolphins as well because they do need an offensive lineman. Um, so if the if Sewell's off the board, though, then where do the Dolphins turn? Well, I think the Dolphins could definitely use uh, an offensive lineman. So if Sewell's off the board, it's probably the kid from Northwestern, Rashawn Slater. Oh, they're taking Chase. If you Cincinnati so, takes Sewell, they're so taking Chase sure? 100%. That would be good Without for them, a doubt. too. Yeah. What are the Dolphins going to do offensively? Are they going to... Are they going to stick with Tua Tagovailoa? Mm-hmm. Do you think? Oh yeah, and they're going to add Chase, and then you got a bunch of weapons, and yeah, no, it's Chase and Sewell are going five and six. 
I think, like 100%. I just don't know the order. Chase is all over so many people's draft boards. A lot of people have him in the top 10. A lot of people have him outside the top 15. I like Devontae Smith, but I think Chase is got the one that's got all the helium. Like just, He's just been rising up the boards. So I'll go Chase at 5 with Cincinnati, Sewell at 6, and then... Detroit Lions up at 7. Yeah, this is where I go... Trade, trade alert. Yep. The yep. New England Patriots trading up oh. to seven and taking Justin Fields. As they want Fields. That's yep. been leaked. And I, and I think that Detroit has so many holes to fill that they would be more than happy to trade down and get extra picks to try and fill some of those. I think this is the perfect trading partner with New England. I think they trade up to seven and they get Justin Fields and Detroit falls back down to 15. And they are very happy with the person that they get at 15 that I have mocked that we'll get to later. In reality, the, the uh, Lions will probably take a wide receiver and probably not one of the best ones because that's what they've always done. They've always taken a wide receiver. No, that's unfair. They have actually not done that in recent years. That was the trend uh, t- about 10 years ago. Um, but I do think that the Lions are definitely in the mix for a trade. Number eight is Carolina. They made a trade today for Teddy Bridgewater. Excuse me. Carolina traded Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos. So first of all, what do you think of that trade? And that, does that even move the needle at all? Is Teddy Bridgewater better than Drew Locke? Because I think he is. I think he's slightly better. As a Chargers fan, I love this. Because he doesn't... The, the teams in the NFL that end up like just completely just like treading water over and over and over again, like the Bears... Like the Broncos. Like they have these good, like pretty good rosters, but they just can't fix the quarterback position. And instead of just drafting well or drafting a guy and then moving on, they like just keep getting like these band aid quarterbacks to mm-hmm. try and like fill the void. Like they brought in Joe Flacco. They bring in all these dudes like that Case Keenum. Like none of them are good enough to what, like, what is the ultimate goal? If the ultimate goal is winning a championship, why are you bringing Teddy Bridgewater in? Right. Like, I think what they should do, like, Bridgewater is is fine, I think, if you're going to make a play for, like, a Trey Lance. Sure. So he can sit behind Bridgewater. Bridgewater's good enough to let you win games, and then you hope that Lance is the guy. I don't, I don't think Locke is the guy at all. And so if you get rid of Locke, you bring in Teddy Bridgewater as a nice, safe guy that takes care of the football to develop Lance... Sure, but I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know if this takes them out of the quarterback market or not. So, what do you think the Panthers are going to do? One one pick ahead of the Broncos. I think the pa- Panthers I think are going to go with the quarterback, right? I think the Panthers are going Rayshon Slater, the number really? two you, you offensive think even tackle. Even though they traded Teddy Bridgewater, they're not going to draft a quarterback, even if Trey Lance and/or Justin Fields are still on the board. I don't think so. Who's going to be their quarterback then? The one that they just traded for, Sam Darnold. Right. True. I forget that they have Darnold. That's, yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. And they, and they picked up his, his option, so they have him for two more years. So I think they're going to give that a try, and if it doesn't work, then I think they'll get back into the quarterback market. But I think they go Rayshon Slater as the number two offensive tackle. Okay. So as of right now, then you have only one quarterback left on the board, and that is Trey Lance from North Dakota State. And the Denver Broncos at number nine are on the clock. Do the Broncos pull the trigger on Trey Lance? I have them taking Patrick Sertain, the number – it's not bad. The number one corner from Alabama off the board. I think this kid is an absolute stud. I think he is too. 
Uh, I think he's really good. He's physical. He never. He's just super technique. He like never gets beat. It's a great example of what I was talking about. In in any year that where there wasn't this obsession with the offensive skill guys, I think Sertan would be a top five pick, right? Yep. Because usually the top corner is a top five to top three pick, and and he reminds me of a little bit more physical version of like a Denzel Ward from Ohio State a couple years ago, and so I I just think those are the type of guys that get their draft stock hit down just a little. Yeah, bit. he's he's really really good, and I think. With Denver getting Teddy Bridgewater, I'm going to go Sertan here. If they didn't trade for Bridgewater today, I'd probably go Trey Lance here. But So you don't think that that scenario where they traded for Teddy Bridgewater to mentor Trey Lance is a possibility? I mean, it very well could be. Um, but I'm just going to shy away from it just because I, I think Elway just... I don't trust him with quarterbacks and what and what to do. So I think they're just going to like, ooh, our team is good now. Like Bridgewater's good enough to win with, so let's add the most talent around him that we can and see what happens. So I think they go Sertan. Number 10, the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to have some pretty sexy skill players on the board. We know Jerry Jones loves that kind of thing, but they need other things. So I, I think that they're going to be searching for somebody defensively because they have had dips in defensive production despite having pretty good headliners on the defensive side. Sean Lee, uh, outstanding but often injured linebacker, retired earlier this week. And so I think that they are going to need to make a play for somebody uh, defensively. And there's a couple guys that maybe fit the bold, but I, I don't know. I don't know where they might go here because, uh, first of all, what do you think of Micah Parsons, the kid from Penn State? This kid runs a 4.35. He's 6'4, 240, but he had zero sacks last year. And everybody says he's straight line, the most explosive player in the draft, but also maybe stiff physically. So, I mean, how do you evaluate this? He's not going here. I don't think so either. I got JC Horn going uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. He is kind of the number two corner from South Carolina. Super, super talented kid. I mean, this guy is like your long, lean, physical dude that has... 6'1", 205. He gets, he gets beat in on double moves a lot and is a little bit undisciplined, but he's a freak athlete. His closing speed is really, really good. The Cowboys need a corner. I think with Sertan going off the board at nine, the Cowboys take J.C. Horn, and they also have con- some connections this staff does to... He's the son of Joe Horn, who was the wide receiver for the Saints. Cell phone touchdown celebration. Yeah, buddy. Um, and they have some connections there, so I think Dallas takes J.C. Horn. If you need anywhere to watch the NFL draft, or you need somewhere to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, by the way, that's my birthday, week from today, you can celebrate Cinco de Mayo or watch the NFL draft at the Silver Slipper. The NFL draft will be on the 55 TVs the Silver Slipper has to offer. They have also all the other sports. Major League Baseball is going on right now. Drink specials every day. 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team or the draft. When it comes to next week's Cinco de Mayo celebration, $3 Tecates and Modelos, $3 Altos Tequila all month long, and they also have an amazing taco pizza as well, plus lots of other drink specials to help you celebrate. So if you're celebrating each of the next two Wednesdays, head on down to the Silver Slipper, one of Montana's best-kept secrets. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Sean Rainey in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. We'll get more on the mock draft, maybe to pick 15 or 20 in the second hour, but we got to get out right now uh, because we're going to talk a little Major League Baseball on the other side and about 15 minutes away from a Wing It Wednesday as well. So keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. 
Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Remix of some war pigs. Gotta love it. Welcome into New Honest Now. Thanks so much for listening with us on a Wednesday. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana Television. Joining me, Coulter New Honest, as he does each and every Wednesday. It's 1029 ESPN Missoula, if you haven't noticed. If you want to watch or listen anywhere in the world besides on your radio, you can go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com, and just click on Listen Live. You'll find the stream. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Update on the Grizz soccer team. It's hard because there's no scoreboard on this uh, stream. But the Grizz soccer team is playing in the NCAA tournament in the first round. They're in Wilson, North Carolina. They're playing South Carolina, the Gamecocks. And so I guess we can estimate that this is in its 34th or 35th minute because it started 34 or 35 minutes ago. Don't know if there's been any stoppage time, but that doesn't matter. That'll get added on to the end of the half. But it is scoreless right now. A couple big saves by Claire Howard, the uh, All-League and Big Sky Conference Goalie of the Year for Montana. So um, Montana's hanging tough. They were, Sean was watching the game or the match right out the gates while I was introing the show, and he said that South Carolina was really putting on the pressure, uh, really assaulting the goal. But it seems like Montana has settled in now a little bit and uh, controlling the possession back and forth. So we'll keep you up to date as this match marches on. Time now for some Major League Baseball. Sean's been all the way in on baseball, obviously. He's the fantasy baseball guru, as it were. And uh, he's always following his Padres as well as the rest of the uh, major leagues. But this major league baseball season has been interesting because last year, obviously a shortened season uh, and then uh, delayed postseason and ended a little bit later than it normally does. And so then kind of messed up the clock. And so all of a sudden here, now we're into the year. And it's interesting because there's a couple teams that are living up to expectations, but mostly when you look at the top of the divisions, most of the teams that are atop the divisions aren't necessarily who you think would be. I know there were only 25 or 30 games into this thing, but I don't know. Not a lot of people were high on the Royals or the A's, and a lot of people were high on teams like the Yankees and the Twins. And so uh, where are we at? Where do you want to start with this, Rain Man? You just throw a team out there, and I'll tell you if they're if they're good or bad or contender so right, pretender. Right, right now, uh, less than a week left in, in April, heading into May, the Kansas City Royals have the best record in baseball. Is that legitimate? No, not not as far as like best record in baseball slash the American League. Like they are going to be very much improved, and they'll be in the running for a wild card. I still think the White Sox, who are twelve and ten and two games back of that division, will win the division. Um, Kansas City's getting some very good contribu- contributions from their young pitching, and um, they do have a good bullpen and things like that. And I think that they are a team on the rise. And like I said in my season previews when we talked 
um, about a month ago, I said that Kansas City is going to be a sneaky team. So feeling good because I got that right. I don't. They're not going to be. I don't think they're this good. Um, they're going to come back down to earth a little bit, but I think they will be in contention for like that second wild card spot. I haven't blown a lead after the seventh inning since like mid year last year, right? I mean, they have like the longest streak in baseball by a long shot, right? That's kind of the keys. The bullpen. yeah, I think so. Yeah, their bullpen's pretty solid. Um, and then you know they they have a good young, you know, fun lineup. And uh, they're getting enough from their young starting pitching. So they're also in just like a, a division that is pretty bad right now. And the Twins are really, really struggling. The Tigers kind of are just suck. And the Indians aren't very good. So it's weird. So like the American League, they've played a lot of different teams. And the National League has played a lot of the teams like multiple series against the same teams. Yeah, so in the National League, league so far. Yeah, so in the National League, a lot of teams are around like 500 because like the Dodgers and Padres have already played each other seven times. And the Padres are 4 and 3 against the Dodgers. So like a lot of these teams in the in the National League haven't created a ton of separation cuz when you it's baseball. So if you play eight games against each other and they're two decent teams, like your chances of going 4 and 4 are pretty good. Pretty good, right. So it's just hard to create any separation this early on. But there are a lot of fan bases that are freaking out because their teams are starting off bad or ones that are, you know, jubilated because their team is off to an awesome start. And I think we also just got to keep in mind, I know last year was kind of the sprint in the 60-game season. This one is is a lot longer, so I think there's just a lot of overreactions to the good and the bad so far. I think that one of the teams that everybody around baseball expected to be one of the worst teams is the Colorado Rockies. They are 9-14 and 14 right now, which is, in fact, only one game worse than the New York Yankees. No one predicted that. And only one game better than the Minnesota Twins. So where are we at with the Twins and the Yankees? Because both of these teams are returning division champions and expected to be division winners or at least in the mix for their division winners. See, I did not have the Yankees. I know you didn't. I I was very down on the Yankees. I was not sold on their starting pitching and their rotation. And I'm a big guy with having, like, a lot of my predictions for this year were do you have good starting pitching depth along your rotation? And I had a lot of question marks with the Yankees off after Garrett Cole we have not seen it from Corey Kluber. Tyone has been hurt. And their back end of their starting pitching has been terrible. Their lineup has been gross. They're hitting like 210 as a team. They had their first sack fly yes, in yesterday's game of the season. This is the, the first time that a runner's been on third and they just hit a ball to the outfield to bring him in. This is the sickening side effect of the swing for the fences home run. It's unreal. Era, right? And they've had some injuries and stuff. Um, but, like, man, their lineup has just been atrocious. Like, they have one of the best bullpens in baseball, and that's been the only thing keeping them afloat. And I think that they're they're going to turn it around. Like, I think, you know, their offense is going to start to hit eventually, and then I think they'll, they'll make a move here, or a couple moves, you know, because they're the Yankees. So I still think the Yankees will be hanging around and have a chance to end the division because the Blue Jays have kind of struggled. They're at 500. The Rays are at 500, and then of course, like everybody predicted, right? <laughs> the Red Sox are 15 and nine. Um, they're going to come back down to earth a little bit, I think. And so, I think this is going to be just a very jumbled American League East with four teams all fighting for you know supremacy in that division. Right now, in the American League, the Oakland Athletics and the Boston Red Sox are both tied for the best record in the AL at 15-9. and nine. Like you said, maybe the Red Sox not necessarily predicted to be there. But the things about these big market teams is that if they can get themselves into being in contention Except early... Then they make moves. They're never going to really be sellers anyways, but when they can get into the position of being a absolute buyer... 
They got more buying power than anybody else. That's not the situation the A's are in, but the A's had, what did the win streak get to? Uh, 11? Or it, was thir- a, it was at least 11, and I think it was like 13 out of 14. 13 out but of they 14. Went, they started 0-6 and, and then won 11 straight. Right. It was just unreal. And, you know, they're 15-9. and I, I think they're just going to be a streaky team. I'm still going to take here's, the... Here's the best part about the... Here's the best statistic I could give you for baseball nerds out there. They are 15-9, best record in the... Uh, tied for the best record in the American League. I guess the Royals have a, a higher win percentage, but the uh, A's have the... Tied yes. for the highest win mm-hmm. total. But their run score versus runs against differential is minus, minus two. two. Yeah. And the and the Astros, who are 12-11, and 11, are plus 23. I still think the Astros are the best team in that division. And I, I think it's going to be between them, the A's, and I, I think the Angels are going to hang around. Um, the Mariners, like I said, the Mariners are going to be kind of a fun team this year. Like, cause For sure. They have some talent, and you know they kind of do this every year, though. They get out to a hot oh, start absolutely. and then just plummet. It's not, it's not June 1 yet. They, but they have, like, they're going to be calling up Kelnick pretty soon. He's, For sure. He's a, one of the best prospects in baseball. They, they got Logan prospects maybe coming. They got Logan Gilbert, who's a stud young pitcher. So, like, as long as the Mariners can stay around 500 and then you get some of these exciting call-ups, like, it's going to be a fun year for Mariners fans. And, and they're pretty, they're playing pretty well so far. Um, some other teams that I think are, are, <laughs> The the Braves um, getting out to an 11-12 start has been um, you know surprising. Like they are really struggling and they're struggling offensively too. They are. Um, that division is just uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I the Mets are nine and nine and, and they're leading the division. Right. Like the Phillies eleven and twelve, Braves eleven and twelve, yep. Marlins eleven and thirteen, Nationals eight and twelve. Like two games separate you know first and last. So like that is going to be very interesting. Uh, division to watch. I I would lean Mets. I like the Mets, but the Marlins were like the Marlins and the Royals and the Brewers. Those were my three teams that were not picked to like win their divisions that I really really liked this year. That I went on with you and said that I like those teams. And so far, the Brewers are in first, the Royals are in first, and the Marlins are just a game back. And they started out like two and six, and they've been playing you know a lot better ball as of late. So um, those teams are all pretty fun. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television around the great state of Montana. Thanks for joining us. Sean Rainey from SWX is joining me. Coulter Nuanez. Maybe a little more baseball in hour number two, but we got to get out right now because we have some trivia as well as a wing it Wednesday. We have trivia for each other, so no need for you to get your brains warmed up, but do get your fingers warmed up and give us a call. 406-361-3688. That's 406-361-3688. Don't do it now. Wait for the other side. We'll be back after this, and I'll tell you which caller is going to get a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Trivia and a wing it Wednesday on Nuanas Now. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. Hope you like Soundgarden and sports. Either way, thanks so much for tuning in. 
It's Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana TV sitting in the chair with me, Coulter Nuanas, as he does each and every Wednesday. Time now for a Wing It Wednesday, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. If you've been to the Despo, you already know, best wings in the city of Missoula. It's been voted on by you, the voting public, in the Best of Missoula Awards for years and years and years in a row. If you haven't been, you need to go check them out. I promise you will not leave disappointed. We do this each and every Wednesday where we do some variation of trivia. Today, I have trivia questions for Sean. So for you, the loyal listeners, all I need you to do is give us a call, 406 361 3688, that's 361, 3688, caller number three. I got a dozen wings for you to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, caller number three. Give us a call right now, 361, 3688. All right, Rainey, I got some for you. Okay. I got one NBA and two Major League Baseball, so we'll start with NBA. There have been eight players in the history of the NBA that have won consecutive MVP awards, two MVP awards in a row. How many can you name? Ooh, okay. Uh, Wilt. Uh, let me get Did my you? let me get my uh, handy tandy <laughs> cheat sheet up. I got the the modern day ones memorized for sure. Yes, Wilt Chamberlain won three straight uh, MVPs between 1966 and 1968. Four MVPs overall. Jordan. Michael Jordan. Uh, did win consecutive MVPs in 1991 and 1992, and five MVPs overall. LeBron. LeBron James won four in five years. He went back-to-back in uh, two different times with Derrick Rose spliced in between. So LeBron James, yes. Um, I don't think he... Did Giannis win back-to-back? Giannis yeah. is the two-time defending yeah. MVP. Okay, so we're at what, what four? Yeah, four, yep, halfway home. Um, Bill Russell? Bill Russell did. He won three consecutive MVPs and four in five years between 1961 and 1965. Okay. Off to a decent start. Yeah, you're off to a great start. Um, I don't think Kobe ever did. Kobe did not. Kobe actually only, Kobe Bryant only won one MVP award. So did Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, I was going to say, and I know Shaq didn't. Um, Oh, man. This is where I'm. Malone? Carl Malone did win two, but he had Jordan in between. He won two in mm. three years, but not not consecutively. I give you a hit. Two of these guys are, are more contemporary, like guys from our generation, modern generation, and then uh, the other three are uh, more old school guys, but definitely obvious. Did Nash go back to back? Nash did go back to back. That's that is the uh, the hard one. That, that's okay, what's yeah. funny because Steve Nash is a great player, yeah. but I don't think he's in the level of any of the other guys that won consecutive MVPs. Like Nash is no, like a top all, yeah. 30 or 40 player, but he's not like, I mean, you're listing the top 10 players of all time right mm-hmm. now, basically, otherwise. Um, so yeah, two more modern era guys, three more sort of old school guys, but all that played, you know, relatively like leading up to or even in our, our young years. Man, I should know the modern ones here. You definitely should. Um, did Duncan? Duncan did. 2002, okay. 2003. So Tim Duncan. Okay. Um, man, who's the other modern one? It was within the last six years. Westbrook? Not Westbrook. Westbrook only won it once. Huh. As did James Harden and as did Kevin Durant. This this other player won consecutive in between those oh, guys. Oh, Curry. Steph Curry. Duh. You got it. 
Okay, so now you only got two left. Both uh, actually got three left, in fact. Uh, 1980s stars, all three of these guys. Lajuan? Nope. Ewing? Nope. Who are the two best teams of the 80s? You know. The Pistons and no. the Bulls. And who else? In the 80s. The, the, those guys are both more 90s. 80s. Played um, for the championship every year in the 80s, these two teams pretty much. <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics. Oh, yeah. So Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Kareem yeah. Abdul-Jabbar. Those yeah. are the last three. So I actually lied. I counted them up wrong. There was nine. You ended up uh, getting six of them. So good job. Okay. Uh, it is Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Doing a little Wing It Wednesday trivia questions with Sean Rainey, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Okay, I got two Padres questions for you. Who's okay. the, who, I, think you I think you'll get these. I mean, I, uh, I hope so. Uh, who is the only San Diego Padre to ever win the National League MVP award? Caminetti. Ken Caminetti, 1996. Yeah. Not Tony Gwynn. Surprising. I know. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Tony Gwynn. Uh, and King Caminetti. What do you th- exactly? Yeah. What do you think of Caminetti? Like, what? Is, what is your perspective? Because you're of the age where, when he was so big time, the, you were a kid, right? So yeah, you I was still thought pretty. He was awesome. I was still pretty young, but I mean, I just know that he was like, I mean, he was just this like jacked up, like huge dude that just hit bombs and was really good, you know. Um, and then obviously, like, he's kind of had a, a sad story after his career ended and things like that. But right. yeah, I mean, I remember flags going on all the cars like when they went to the World Series and they had Caminetti and Gwynn like I mean that was uh, you know the orange pinstripe jerseys like mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. are uh, the heyday you know alright number two for the San Diego Padres who there's been four National League Cy Young winners for the Padres how many of those can you name PV PV is the most recent sure. in 2007 um, <laughs> uh, I know this because the name is just always stands out Gaylord Perry did Gaylord Perry? I think so. Win one, okay. Uh, Randy Jones. Randy Jones is one for sure. Um, I don't, I'm not sure about the fourth. Uh, Gaylord Perry did. You, you are correct. Gaylord Perry, 1978. Randy Jones, 1976. The fourth and final, Mark Davis. Don't uh, even know that 1989. Yeah, I, I have absolutely no clue yeah. myself. So, uh, okay, well, well done, Sean. Uh, Wing It Wednesday is presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Head on down to the Despo. Even if you didn't win the wings, you're going to want to try them. They're the best wings in the city of Missoula. Some of the best wings I've ever had. And so go have yourself a basket of wings and a brew down at the Despo. Uh, okay, one last question for you before we got to get out. You did mention uh, you weren't actually on the broadcast team for the SWX broadcast of the Sunny Hall and Spring Classic, but I know you were watching it and, and kind of helping do quality control, but also analyzing it since, you know, it is your job. By the way, uh, University of Montana women's soccer team tied 0-0 with uh, South Carolina right now at halftime in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But what did you think of the Bobcats on Saturday? We're, we're going to get a little bit more of the analysis, but just broadly, what did you think of the Cats on Saturday? Um. Well, one, the first thing that just stood out just immediately and we talked about this when you came on S2X tonight this week was just the energy and the intensity was just it's just not the same in a scrimmage and a spring game as it is playing another another opponent which is after after experiencing both I think that if all teams could get one game in the spring I think that would be awesome for everybody involved I think the players would like it it's just more it's just it's really cool and it was a really cool experience and going from that to a, a scrimmage, um, it just didn't have the juice that you know the Montana games had. So that really stood out. And then it was hard, you know, because 
as you've mentioned on this show, like there's so many guys were sitting out that it was just it's it's kind of hard to to judge things. But totally. the one thing that really stood out to me, like. Isaiah Fonse just looked really, really good. Um, he is really good. He looked, yeah. I mean, he just looked explosive, and the moves that he was making, like he just, uh, he looked really impressive. And then there was just like a bunch of um, some young, young Montanans that looked good, that were kind of f- fun. It's always for me like fun watching these guys that you saw in high school, and then, high school yeah. and then how they develop, like totally. like you know Blake Thielen, Tommy Mallott, like these guys that get in. Like it's just cool to like watch watch them play, watch them develop, and then obviously like. Well, you know, it's fun watching McKay play for the first time, like for myself, like on TV, like he's got a good arm and can move around a little bit. But yeah, it's kind of, it's just kind of hard to judge things off of scrimmage, you know, like they've been going against each other for so long, same, same guys, same plays, same everything. You're not trying to really be too physical with each other, you know. Well, and you're, you're trying not to put too much on film either. And it's not as if this is like a really coveted film, but it was on TV too. So now you're trying to really keep it vanilla because you have a brand new coaching staff. So you do want to have some sort of element of surprise. I don't really know how much that actually plays a factor into the actual field of competition, but make no mistake, coaches do. So that, that does influence the way that they call the game too. So uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun to watch a lot of the young players, but I didn't take much of anything from it. We'll maybe get into that a little bit more in the second hour, but we got to get out right now. Hour one in the books, hour two Coming at you, it is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. It's a Wednesday, so that means our ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula, is coming up. Kent Haslam, University of Montana Athletic Director, will join us to talk all things Grizz Sports. So keep it right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear... How about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 